a lot of organizations rely on their gala as their, you know, main income uh, for revenue. And that can blind people from remembering that there's more to fundraising than just the gala and events. And that it's a lot of what happens outside of those, those big moments that are important. My guest today on Mission Impact is Devin Lawrence. Now, personally, I love to step back and see the big picture, look at the wider trends that are happening in the world and help groups think about what the implications of those trends are for their future to help them envision their future and then come to agreement about what are those big three to five things that are really going to help them move the needle forward on their mission over the next three to five years. I love helping them map out the elements of their organization and programs and get clear on why they do what they do and how they can demonstrate their impact. And just thinking big picture isn't enough. Without a clear plan for implementation and action, all the strategy in the world won't actually get moved forward. So rather than thinking of strategy as a once in a three-year event that includes planning sessions and retreats, thinking of it as a practice is really key. How are you integrating what you decided in your planning sessions into your more day-to-day work? And that's what Devin and I talk about. She focuses on fundraising, and a lot of fundraising consultants do also focus on that bigger picture, but Devin does something different. She helps organizations create systems and implement those systems to really make their fundraising work. Mission Impact is the podcast for progressive nonprofit leaders who want to build a better world without becoming a martyr to the cause. I'm Carol Hamilton, your podcast host and nonprofit strategy consultant. Mission Impact is brought to you by Grace Social Sector Consulting. Check out Grace Social Sector Consulting for free resources you can download. And also go ahead and sign up for our newsletter so you get notified about new episodes and other goodies. Welcome, Devin. Welcome to Mission Impact. Thank you. It's great to be here. So I always like to start out by asking the question around what drew you to the work that you do? What would you say motivates you or what would you describe as your why? Mm -hmm. Um, well, my career started in nonprofits, uh, so my background was already there. And then it was when I was introduced to consulting and being able to, to support nonprofits in a different way, um, that was what was exciting, being able to help uh, more organizations and people out there than I was already through just you know working in a full-time role. Um, so it was the ability to to share my skills and expertise with as many organizations as possible. And you really focus on development and fundraising operations and project management uh, when you're working with clients. Can you just say a little bit more about what that looks like? Sure. Um, so development <clears throat> operations, like I say, is really the behind the scenes work. Um, it's the systems, the processes, the structure that needs to be in place in order for an organization to be successful. So, you know, whether that's, um, you know, working with development directors or executive directors on just, uh, you know, prospecting strategies, as well as thinking about, uh, you know, tracking the the data behind solicitations, cultivation, stewardship, um, you know, coming up with the right processes for, uh, you know, acknowledgement letters, matching gifts, etc. It's all of those pieces that are part of the puzzle to lean, I mean, to, uh, to go towards uh, sustainability for an organization. And it's funny because I, I feel like in 
in a lot of cases, um, consultants err on the side of being the bigger picture kind of strategy piece. And, and that's where I am. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's all great. And you need that. But then, you know, how do you actually make it work? Mm-hmm. What are all the 99 steps that you have to think about and keep, you know, keeping track of and making sure that you're maintaining all the things? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the things that we, you would say uh, are common kind of stumbling blocks for organizations mm-hmm. as they're trying to set up those systems? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great question. <laughs> and um you know, a lot of people just don't have the bandwidth or capacity. A lot of organizations, um, you know, you're so focused on the fundraising itself and bringing in the money and reaching your goals that it's, you know, remembering to track and monitor all of your communication so that you can go back and say to this donor, you know, yes, they made a gift of X amount on you know, a year ago, and we need to get back to them. But what were all those touch points in between, so that we know, like, what is their interest? What is it about our organization that, you know, gets them excited? Um, What was the last meeting that they had? What board member do they know? It's all of those pieces that people forget about. But it's really important to, you know, come up with the right strategy and continue to uh, engage with donors. What are some of those things that you think are really important for organizations to track along the way? Um, communications, absolutely. So when you think about a lot of a lot of organizations think of communications as not being a part of development. Um, they might even be different departments, but they really do go hand in hand because you know every time that um, a prospect or donor is reading about or seeing something about the organization, you know, that's something that works towards, you know, the, the cycle of engagement. Um, and so communications is definitely one, like understanding uh, what the different touch points are that they receive throughout the year. Uh, and in many cases, it is also tiered communication. So, you know, donors at certain levels might be only getting newsletters or, you know, just... Uh, a quarterly email, whereas donors at a higher level might be, might be receiving, you know, invitations to an intimate event or getting a preview of, you know, some project or program that's happening that maybe the larger audience might not be. Um, so keeping track of communications, um, absolutely. Uh, number one is following up as quickly as possible when someone makes a gift. So thanking them. For their gifts, acknowledgement letters is a huge one. Uh, you know, I've worked with clients that, and this happens to everyone at many organizations, is that you it it falls to the back burner, and donors notice those things. So you know, even whether it takes forty eight hours or two weeks, that's acceptable. But when it takes you know six months, nine months, sometimes even a year. Donors really do notice, um, and that can affect uh, that can just affect the relationship you have with them. Um, so I would say those are some top, you know, must must haves. Make sure that uh, all organizations are tracking. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. I'm I'm I work with a group where, you know, we've been working together 
for a couple years, and this isn't a nonprofit. That's not the point of it. But there's some similar things that if we had set up some of those systems at the beginning mm-hmm. to be capturing all this information and tracking, we wouldn't be doing the cleanup mm-hmm. that we're kind of in the middle of trying to do now. Oh, yeah. Like, wow, let's have one spreadsheet where we keep everybody's email and, yes. you know, who the primary contact was and are we getting their their home address so that we can send them a thank Absolutely. you card. Um, all those kinds of things that it's easy to think about after the mm-hmm. fact. And then, um, you know, to think about, well, where would it be easiest for us to ask for this information in the process when, you know, like at at an initial gift asking, for example, for that address Mm -hmm. or whatnot. Yes. Uh, So you're not asking for it like, oh, I want to send you a thank you letter now. (laughs) Could you please send me Yes, yes, definitely. And that's a good point because, you know, I was thinking even bigger picture, but those are the small things that make a huge difference is the address, emails, phone numbers, being able to stay on top of where people are, you know, even annually following up sometimes to just confirm with donors uh, what their what their contact information is, if anything has changed. Those are all very important things to consider. And it's interesting thinking about like, you know, you're talking about those different tiers Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, my husband and I donate to a variety of different organizations Mm -hmm. and there's one here locally and we recently got invited to an event. Now we don't donate a huge amount of money, Mm -hmm. but we've been consistent. We've donated probably now for the last seven years or something. I've, you know, bought some of their merch. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know whether we've gone to any events. I'm trying to even think maybe once. Um, So I was a little bit surprised that we got invited to this event, but um, it, you know, it made a big impression. Mm -hmm. My husband ended up going. It was really experiential, very close to, you know, really being able to get closer to their Mm -hmm. mission. Um, so it is interesting to think about kind of, there could be lots of different, uh, criteria that would kind of push people into that next tier. What are some of the things that might, you know, organizations might be thinking about the obvious one is the amount of Mm -hmm. money, but are there other things that they should be thinking about that, you know, to kind of be able to notice who their, their, I don't know, next level givers Mm -hmm. are. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like the organization you give to has, uh, they they have everything in order that they're able to to reach out to you and with that invitation because that's actually a really good example is that even if your giving has been the same over a long period of time um, those the donors that have been giving for for long periods they're as important as someone that comes in at a very high level for the first time um, and is giving to you uh, sometimes they're even more important because you know I know a story from another colleague where she had a client that uh, they had a campaign and um, the, the donor had been giving at a, you know, let's just for the purpose of this podcast, just say $10,000 for a long period. And at the campaign, you know, the person might have capacity to give more, but the organization was nervous to ask for anything, you know, six figure or higher. Uh, but the consultant said, well, why don't we just ask? And no one has ever asked before. She's, this donor has been giving for, you know, many, many years. And they asked for a million. And she said, well, no one's ever asked me. And yes, I will. So it is, it is wow. very important to 
not forget about those who have been giving to you for a long time because, you know, that just shows that they clearly have a passion and care about the work that you're doing. And really, if you don't ask for more, you're never going to know if they will be willing to, to, to give it a higher level. Right. What are some other things that get in the way of organizations kind of really managing their, their those back end systems? Well, mm-hmm. um, hmm. you know, events is a big one getting sucked into like those big moments in the year. Uh, everyone has a gala. A lot of organizations rely on their gala as their, you know, main income uh, for revenue. And that can blind people from remembering that there's more to fundraising than just the gala and events. And that it's a lot of what happens outside of those, those big moments that are important. And when you just focus on events, um, which is, you know, it can be great for some organizations to bring in a lot of their the revenue for the year. Um, but there's so much more potential if you utilize that, those opportunities outside of those moments and engage with donors and, you know, keeping track of all the information and the behind the scenes and the process, like following the proper processes and systems really does make a difference to help you reach those goals. And you mentioned events and, you know, big galas and a lot of organizations have traditionally relied on those. What are you seeing with the impact of, you know, COVID having to go virtual? Are those events coming back? Mm-hmm. Um, are, are, or are organizations kind of decided to pivot away from mm-hmm. those? I've definitely seen them come back, um, at least, you know, here in New York. And I've, I have actually have clients in other areas as well. But Yes, in-person is coming back, but virtual is still there. So it's maybe no longer that the main gala, you know, the main fundraising event for the year is virtual, but there are other virtual opportunities and events throughout the year. So um, because it's a great way to to expand your your network and your reach by having the virtual events. Um, But with galas, I'm definitely seeing in-person and people are excited. To, to be back in person again and to really like feel the, you know, importance of the organization that they're supporting by being in that room with other people um, and seeing, you know, being able to watch the, the videos and hear from people on stage. So you've also um, worked with organizations internationally. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience? Yes. So, I worked um, with a couple of organizations in Singapore and uh, it was a time when I, we had moved there for my husband's work and I had recently started consulting and I wasn't sure really what was going to happen. I still had some clients back here in the U S but luckily just through connections, I was introduced to a few organizations that, needed support. And it was very interesting because the support that they needed was different from what I'm used to here in the U S. The first thing that stood out was, um, you know, nonprofits in the U S 
uh, and charities are thought of as two different things. And usually, you know, nonprofits is used in the more broader, you know, the more broader sense. Um, and it was the opposite in Singapore. So they, they first think of uh, organizations as charities, which not necessarily, not necessarily um, lessens them, but there's less of a responsibility that the community has towards supporting those organizations. Uh, most of the philanthropy was through church uh, or so religion or through um, medicine, so healthcare. And then outside of that, because Singapore as a country provides a lot of support to the nonprofits, uh, the, the community really felt like it was the government's responsibility to provide them with support. So when it came to fundraising for these organizations, they found it really hard to get through to people to even understand why they should be giving. Um, so that was very interesting uh, to encounter. That was different what I was used to. Yeah. I mean, here in the States, um, it's probably flipped, right? Yes. It's where we're, we're overly reliant on the nonprofit yes. sector to uh deliver services, you know, government overly reliant. That's my own editorial, uh, <laughs> editorializing. Right. Um, and even, uh, you know, a lot of organizations getting supported by the government, but not to the same degree mm -hmm. that, that uh, there might be expectations, um, in other countries. What other differences did you notice? Hmm. Um, Being that it was specifically Singapore was heavily expat, um, it was more so that the expats, the expat community, uh, were the ones that were supporting the nonprofits. Um, because again, just community-wise and culture, uh, that that specifically in Singapore, that they didn't come from the background where you know giving to nonprofits was um, was, was, was almost an expectation. Um, so I think that the expat community and the level of volunteerism that came from that as well, because many, you know, in expat communities, it's usually because one of the, the one of the spouses is going for work and then the other spouse, either if they're lucky, then they, they are able to work, but sometimes getting those work visas, uh, is not as easy for the spouses. So they put so much of their time and energy into the nonprofits there that, um, which was, I want to say not so much more, but I was very impressed and blown away by the level of time and commitment that they all give to the organizations. I mean, the couple that I worked, the couple organizations that I worked with, um, they were fully run and managed by volunteers, uh, which we don't see as much over in the US. You know, we have full-time staff, part-time staff at the minimum who are working for nonprofits, but it was uh, almost fully run by by the, the expats. 
Yeah, so it might also almost be like, you know, we turned the clock back 60 years and and who was running nonprofits at that time here in the United States might have been more similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you described also that they are described or seen as charities versus nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes I think here in the U.S., folks may think of that word charity in almost an, some kind of has some negative mm-hmm. overtones. What, what, what did you see? You know, what, how, how did people experience that in that context and in that culture? Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say it was negative undertones there. Um, there was still a need for them. There's always a need for them. Um, but people did, you know, they, they would respect charities uh, versus nonprofits and, you know, they, they would give, but just the word nonprofit almost wasn't in the vocabulary. It was very Mm. much charities. And so just like you were saying, you know, being from the U S we, if you call a, a nonprofit a charity, they might be offended where, so that's what I was used to. And I had to, you know, teach myself to switch to switch that vocabulary, but it was just more that, you know, sem- semantics and being the, the language that they use around the organizations, but they were still respected. It was just that culturally the, because the government provides so much support, it was less of an expectation of the community having to support them as well. Yeah. 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 It's always interesting to explore those, those cultural differences mm-hmm. and, you know, just how words are mm-hmm. used and, and the attitudes and perspectives, all of that. I always I always find that super fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had talked before about some of the challenges that organizations have when they're kind of trying to implement or maybe, you know, build out processes, maybe improve their processes. What are some things that you see helping them really succeed in that and, and kind of make things work mm-hmm. well? Um, I am a big believer in CRMs. Um, and say what a CRM is just quickly. Uh, it is a, you can either some say constituent, some say client, but it's relationship management, um, platform. So there's a ton of different ones out there. Uh, Razor's Edge, Salesforce, Bloomerang, um, you know, Asana, there's so many now, but just a big, big believer in the importance of having a database, a system that is capturing and tracking all of your information in one central place uh, and being able to then, you know, as I was talking about, um, using that information to help you with your, uh, your donor engagement and cultivation solicitation, all of your activities, to then be able to have a dashboard that shows you, you know, how far you are towards your goals and how many, and that could be both, you know, in revenue goals, but also in setting goals for you want to, you want to reach out to 10 people this week. You want to make sure that you have communicated with a certain number of donors, you know, helping you to set those goals so you can stay on track for your week, for your month, whatever it is. Um, reminding you when you send an email to someone or an invitation you haven't heard back. Uh, That is a huge, um, that is a huge benefit to like to lead to, to success for staying organized and just staying on top of everything. 
Now you use the phrase the CRM captures, but actually the I think one of the biggest challenges that I've noticed with organizations really fully uh, getting all the benefit of a system mm-hmm. like that is when the people don't do, you know, don't take the time to make sure that, you know, everything's linked up and that email gets captured mm-hmm. or uh, going back in and saying, okay, here are a couple notes from this phone conversation yes. I just had. Meetings. That kind of mm-hmm. habit forming is, can be really challenging. Mm-hmm. And it's also important to find the best CRM for your organization because they are, not all equal in any way. Um, you know, for some, Salesforce might be best. For some, you know, something through Microsoft because that's already what you're using could be best. But it's definitely finding what works for you. And also, you know, some are better for events. Um, some are better for emailing. So it definitely is uh, important to take the time and uh, and come up with the best the best platform for the organization. What are some of the things that organizations need to be looking at so that they can know, okay, this one is going to be a, a good fit for mm-hmm. us? I'm actually doing this right now with another client. So, uh, <laughs> so I can, I can think about just the process we're taking. Um, so first it's um, understanding what your vision is. So if you were to have a CRM, you know, how will that change the work of your organization. And it could be that it's only for fundraising purposes. It could be that you also need to track, you know, your program information, uh, events, like I mentioned, um, it, whatever else there is first thinking big picture, like what is it that you would need it for for the organization, all the different ways that it would function. Um, and then it's looking at the data you have, and understanding what, like from there, what your needs are. It could be that you just want to track um, contact information and email address is the most important. And of course, you know, giving information. Um, for others, it might be that you need a platform that is connected or has connectability to um, a search engine. So to be able to search for uh, different capacity levels and give you that research that uh, for the different donors to be able to have it within your system. Um, And then from there, it's who is going to be managing it? Is it every staff member is going to have a hand in it? Is it one individual? Um, Because all those things together just really make a difference in understanding what the best needs are for the best CRM for you. So as we come to the end here, um, at the end of each episode, I ask uh, each guest what permission slip they would give to nonprofit leaders or what they would invite them to consider as they work to not be a martyr to the cause and they work to cultivate a, a healthier and more productive uh, organizational culture. Mm-hmm. What, what, what would your invitation or permission slip mm-hmm. be for nonprofit leaders? First of all, I love that question. Um, <laughs> and my answer would be uh, to give your to give yourself permission to take a break. That it's really important. Everyone, especially leaders of org- of nonprofits and organizations, can get so caught up in everything. You know, from your goal for fundraising, events, communicating with donors. But sometimes it's important to just take a break 
take a step back and breathe and just take a look at everything around you within your organization. And just remind yourself both of the great work you're doing and what you're, you know, your mission and what, who you're working for and the people you're serving, but also remind yourself of what your priorities are for that moment. Like remind yourself of, you know, whether it's monthly or quarterly, but just what those priorities are. Are you, are the projects that you're working on line up with those priorities? But the only way to focus on that is to take a break. I feel like so many consultants that I talk to want to give that to, <laughs> to, to leaders. Um, let's, let's take everybody to give them that permission to, to take a break and take a step back mm-hmm. and think about those priorities. So how can people find you? How can they be in touch? Definitely. Um, my website is uh, Um And you can find more information about me, about what I do. Uh, there is a form to, to reach out to me on, on my website. Um, so yes, all are welcome to check it out. And we'll definitely have that link in the, in the show notes. So great. Thank you. Um, you can, you can find Devin there. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. I really appreciate the time you spend with me and my guests. You can find out how to connect with Devin, the full transcript of our conversation, her bio, as well as any links and resources mentioned during the show in the show notes at missionimpactpodcast.com slash show notes. And I'd like to thank Isabel Strauss-Riggs for her support in editing and production, as well as Cindy Rivera-Grazer of 100 Ninjas for her production support. Mission Impact is brought to you by Grace Social Sector Consulting. Grace Social Sector brings you whole brain strategic planning, mapping, and audits for nonprofits and associations. We combine left brain strategy and analysis with right brain wisdom about human complexities for a proven whole brain, whole organization process through which every stakeholder thrives. Reach out to us for support and facilitation of strategic planning, mapping your impact, auditing your services, and getting an organizational assessment. We especially love working with staff, nonprofits, and associations with human-centered missions. And we'd love it if you would take a minute to rate and review Mission Impact on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps other people find the podcast, and we really appreciate it. And until next time, thank you for everything you do to contribute and make an impact.